Chapter Twenty Three of Concerning Isabel Carnby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Concerning Isabel Carnby by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. The Election. They fought all day with might and main, and when the sun was set, the victors longed to fight again, the vanquished to forget. Paul Seaton was one of the men who possesses the useful knack of knowing when the tide of their affairs is at the flood, so when Mr. Ford asked him to come down and fight the liberal battle at Chayford in Edgar's stead, Paul consented without an hour's delay. At the beginning of the campaign, Joanna came home, completely restored to health, bringing Isabel with her, and the inhabitants of the cottage gave themselves up body and soul to the election, and talked and thought and dreamed of nothing else. Great was the excitement all over England, and Chayford was no exception to the rule. For three weeks Paul made several speeches per day, and was treated as if he were a combination of juggernaut and a popular preacher, with a flavor of royalty thrown in. Everybody in the town, including even the babies and the cats, wore colors, if it were nothing better than a scrap of tea paper and there was all that delicious love of fighting in the air which makes an election like a glorious war with no death or danger in it isn't it fun exclaimed isabel one day i adore every minute of it it makes you hate the other side with such an exquisite frenzy of hatred which has neither malice nor uncharitableness in it and yet which is so charmingly violent while it lasts. I know, agreed Joanna, it is that nice sort of hatred which would never let you really injure people, but which makes you want their chimneys to smoke and their hats to blow off. Isabel laughed, and your love for your own side is equally enjoyable. I assure you I feel the most fervent glow of affection for all the liberals in Chayford, just as if they were relations as it was Christmas Day. Yet all the time you know that these feelings will completely die out within a week of the declaration of the poll," added Joanna. Of course you do. That is why they are so delightful. Feelings that last take a good deal out of you, I have discovered. The really delicious sort are those that you think will last forever, and that you know won't," said Isabel. I am afraid, my dear girl, that you are becoming an epicure in emotions," remarked Paul, who had just come in. I know I am. An election, supervening on a love affair, is enough to intoxicate any woman especially when the beloved object and the candidate are one. You can't think what glorious thrills I have all down my back when the crowds applaud you, 
liberalism and love combined so overwhelm my soul that i feel you are the only man in the whole world and the english nation rolled into one and i am as tearful as if people were singing god save the queen and odd robin gray at the same time oh it is a delicious feeling and i am eternally grateful to you for giving it to me paul beamed with delight but being a man did not say pretty things before a third person isabel being a woman did i adore elections she continued waltzing round the room they are simply heavenly a general election and my idea of heaven are by no means synonymous replied her lover quietly my idea of heaven is pretty much the same as beatrice's isabel said i shall go where the bachelors sit and there live as merry as the day is long i shall say please reserve the place next to mr paul seaton for me and if i find it already occupied there will be unpleasantness and i shall contest the seat you are very brilliant to-day and paul looked at her proudly she was worth looking at just then as she had dressed herself entirely in blue the liberal color in chaffered and a woman always looks her best when her gown is the same shade as her eyes it is this lovely election it has got into my head well don't let it tire you i would rather lose the seat than that you should knock yourself up in helping me to win it i'm glad you have warned her said joanna i am sure she works too hard but she won't listen to me she has too much spirit for her strength an anxious expression came over paul's face you do look a bit tired isabel he said rubbish she replied then she looked at herself in the glass should you call me a brilliant woman or a sweet woman she asked thoughtfully brilliant replied joanna both replied paul that is absurd i can't be both nobody could but you are isabel carefully arranged her fringe that is just like your interesting but incomprehensible sex my good sir if you happen to care for a woman you at once endow her with every possible virtue totally irrespective of the fact that some other virtues won't go together oh that is what we do is it now we women behave differently if we love a man we don't plaster him over with all the good qualities but we merely say that the virtues he doesn't possess are not virtues at all and that no decent man would be seen with such things but though the modus operandi in each case is different the result is the same that is to say the beloved object in both instances has the monopoly of human excellencies well i must be off said joanna rising i have some work to do after his sister had left the room paul made up his deficiency in the saying of pretty things where is isabel asked mrs seaton of her daughter as the latter was going out with paul in the drawing-room mrs seaton drew a sigh of perfect contentment that is all right 
what they have to say to each other that they are always wanting to be alone together i cannot imagine continued joanna i never said anything in my life to anybody that a third person was not welcome to hear her mother smiled you have not said all that there is to be said yet then evidently not there are still some things in heaven and earth undreamed of in my philosophy and what those two good people talk to each other about is one of them if i were isabel i could say all i wanted to say before us all i am certain but you couldn't if you were paul my dear joanna rolled up her umbrella well mother i don't pretend to understand it i could never exchange confidences with anybody for all those hours on end least of all with a man i should be graveled for lack of matter in no time but those dear silly people go on for sixty minutes at a stretch and then if i happen to disturb them look at me as reproachfully as if they had only had five seconds together instead of a long hour by shrewbury clock among the most enthusiastic of paul's political supporters was the faithful marta whenever she was able she attended his meetings and regarded them almost as a means of grace i don't believe that the pope of rome or the president of the conference could make finer speeches than master paul does she said one day as she was dusting the drawing-room and joanna was arranging the flowers joanna laughed he is certainly a born orator martha he plays upon his audience as if he were playing upon an organ he does indeed miss and never seems at a loss for a word i am bound to say i didn't think master paul had it in him to speak like that when you listen to him you wonder how the folks that think differently have managed to keep themselves out of the lunatic asylums and that is the sort of speaking and the sort of preaching that does real good to my thinking still i suppose one ought to hear both sides of the question argued the wise joanna certainly not miss there is nothing so unsettling besides where's the good only one side can be right that is plain and what is the use of wasting the time in listening to the side that is wrong but martha how can you tell which side is right without hearing both martha dusted so fiercely that the ornaments fairly danced bless your dear heart if you are a woman you know who is right and who is wrong before you've heard a single word and if you are a man you don't know who is right and who is wrong after you've heard all there is to be said but mr paul's speeches are very convincing all the same especially to folks as think the same as he does to begin with oratory is a great power remarked joanna half to herself it must be lovely to see hundreds of people hanging upon every word that you utter and to know that you can sway them for the time being as it pleases you 
it must indeed my dear in fact it seems almost too great a power to be put into the hands of a man even though the man be dear master paul himself but it is a wonder to me that men get on in the world as well as they do considering that they know nothing and can't bear to be taught they say providence takes special care of children and naturals so i suppose providence looks after men in the same sort of way it wasn't so goodness knows what would become of them the unmarried ones in particular you used to be such a strong conservative joanna suggested as she filled a vase with daffodils so i was miss at one time the conservatives seemed to me to do the least mischief of the two parties because they were better able to mind their own business and leave the country to look after itself as i have often passed the remark interference is the one thing that i can't stand i have no objection to speaking a word in season or out of season whenever i think it is needed but i know my own business and i won't stand being taught it by anybody and i take it the country is the same as me miss and don't want governments to come poking their noses into things that don't concern them so now i suppose you are a liberal martha well i don't know that i'd go as far as that replied martha cautiously my father was a liberal and the love of reform got into his blood till he couldn't eat a bit of bacon without telling us how much better it might have been cooked if he'd had the doing of it himself i've noticed miss that when the master of a house is a reformer there's often trouble in the kitchen so i set my face against reforms of any kind as it were and the good woman shook her duster to and fro as if the whole liberal party were wrapped up in it still some changes are improvements persisted joanna i never came across them miss it seems to me that a new way of governing the country is like a new way of frying potatoes the potatoes are no better than they were before and the grease always smells still my dear i am no longer a conservative take my word for that what made you change your politics joanna asked why the way the conservatives have turned against our paul as long as they kept themselves to themselves and acted according to their lights i had no objections to them though i confess they sometimes made mistakes like their betters but when they turned against master paul it was a different thing and then i washed my hands once for all of the whole boiling of them joanna smiled as she disposed of her last daffodil martha's politics were so essentially feminine as long as a political party contents itself with revolutionizing states and annexing continents and disestablishing churches and other trifling pastimes such as these no right-minded woman troubles her head about it these things amuse it and do not hurt her but when the political party takes advantage of this patience and forbearance on her part 
and goes to the length of actually contesting the seat in parliament of some particular man the sleeping tigress wakes up and shows all the claws wherewith provident nature has endowed her which conduct is after all only natural and the offending faction has no one but itself to blame but it is the same with parties as with individuals if one gives them an inch they take an l at last the day of the chaffered election dawned and as is the way of election days it was so long that it seemed as if the sun had stood still to watch the battle as it did in the time of joshua but it came to an end at last and the little party at the cottage sat up till midnight awaiting paul and the result at first everybody said it would be a walkover but anybody who knows anything about electioneering will be aware that however certain a seat may be and however enormous the majority last time fears come with fighting whilst agonizing doubts foreshadow the declaration of the poll paul's little home circle felt very anxious and the more they doubted the result the more they kept repeating that there was no room for doubt at all the liberal majority at chaford at the last election had been nine hundred and they continually assured each other and themselves that a majority of that size could no more melt away than an alp could you see said mr seaton though of course it might have diminished a majority of that size could not possibly have transformed itself into a minority in three years he was thinking to himself that if only four hundred and fifty voters had gone over to the other side paul would be beaten of course not replied joanna the result really is a foregone conclusion it is only a question as to the size of the majority she felt sure that the conservative papers could not write as they did and if they had not grounds for their hope of which she knew nothing it is really absurd to think that a mere boy like lord galley should beat a brilliant politician like paul the idea is simply ludicrous exclaimed isabel but she wished to goodness that paul had not had an aristocrat for his opponent as there is an underlying respect for titles at the bottom of every British heart. It is no use our expecting Paul for a couple of hours yet, remarked Paul's mother. It would be impossible for him to be here before then. She was feeling that something dreadful must have happened, either that the mob had killed Paul or else had not elected him, otherwise he would have been home an hour ago and so they went on telling little comforting fibs to each other and inwardly wondering how much longer this suspense could be endured suddenly they heard the sound of wheels and the stamping and shouting of a multitude here he is said mr seaton gently and he went very white and took his wife's hand joanna and isabel were past speaking so they tried to laugh and failed the noise grew louder the crowd had taken the horses out of Paul's carriage, 
and were drawing it along with deafening cheers at last they pulled up at the cottage gate and paul sprang out and thanked them and rushed inside it is all right he cried i am in with a majority of twelve hundred then he went straight up to isabel and kissed her before them all i am very glad i have won he said simply because it gives me something to give you who have given me so much so it came to pass that the old wastes and the former desolations were built up and repaired in the life of paul seaton and the name of the builder and repairer was love a few days after the election while paul was helping a brother candidate and joanna was working in her district isabel made her confession to paul's father and mother she told them the whole story how she had written shams and shadows in a fit of temper how paul had saved her from the consequences of her mad act how she had selfishly let him bear the blame how his love for her had at last conquered the weakness and worldliness of her nature and taught her that it is not in the power of outside things to make a woman happy and how she had promised to keep the secret all her life after she had once told the truth to his own people i could not rest till i had your forgiveness she said in conclusion but if you will only say you forgive me i have promised i will never mention the subject again i forgive you utterly my child replied the minister the deed shall be blotted out as though it never been and i thank my son for having taught me how divine a thing sometimes is human love and you whispered isabel to mrs seaton paul's mother took isabel in her arms of course i forgive you my dear one because paul has forgiven you and because you have loved much and i thank you for having given my son back to me again i understand said isabel softly the paul that you know never could have written that horrid book so you felt that there were two pauls that was just it mrs seaton replied and i could not make the two pauls agree with one another in my mind but now you have not only given the old paul back to me you have shown me that he is not merely as good as i believed he was but infinitely nobler and better than i had dreamed i did not think that my son could ever have written shams and shadows but on the other hand i did not think that he could ever have performed so noble an act of self-sacrifice as this so you have restored him to me fourfold i can never forgive myself sobbed isabel mrs seaton drew the weeping girl close to her my dear you must for paul's sake remember he loves you so much and he could not forgive anybody for not forgiving you and we must not forget added the minister that it is love for you which has made paul into the man he is so you have had much to do with the making of paul and therefore his mother and i love you for it i did not do it it was god who made paul what he is and i was just the instrument 
Mr. Seaton smiled. Exactly, dear, but there is nothing remarkable in that. The man who does the most is nothing more than God's instrument for fulfilling his purposes, and the man who does the least is no less than that, but we love best the instruments whereby the most good is wrought, and so also, I think, does God. Paul and his mother were left together for a few minutes that evening. My dear, she said, Isabel has told me everything. Paul's face fell. I am sorry she told you, mother, but she would do it. Don't be sorry, Paul. It is the greatest joy to me to find that I have nothing for which to blame my dear son, but that he has been all that I believed and hoped, and far more. Still, I had rather that you blame me than that you blamed her. That is the one thing that I could not bear, even from you, mother. I do not blame her as I blamed you. The two cases are so different. Don't you know that when a woman is angry she is far more than she means, but that a man, however angry, never says as much? So one can hardly pass the same judgment on the utterances of both. Paul looked relieved. You think then that she was... But no, I may find fault with what she writes, but never with what she is and no one else shall find fault with her at all. You will remember that this confidence is sacred, mother, and that no one but my father and Joanna must ever share it with you. Certainly you may trust us, Paul, and you will love Isabel always? Always, dear, both for your sake and her own. End of chapter 23 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen Vancouver, B.C.